what part of the what part of your job at work do you really hate doing? Do you really fear doing? You know, whatever you, it is, Monday to Friday you do. Um, maybe it's being a mother and um, sort of fear of changing nappies, or um, maybe maybe you're in retail, and um, you know, at the end of the day, you got in, in a retail shop, you got to clean out the um, the food retail, you got to clean out the grease trap. That's a pretty disgusting job. Or um, if, if maybe you work in a, in a finance department, and at the end of the month, there's this uh, accounting that you need to do, or the reports. I dread that. Uh, when I was an accountant in the city, I would hate the end of the month uh, billing cycle. We had to go back, retrieve kind of all the things you did last month, and then count it all up and, and bill the client, okay? And then sort of saw how much time you wasted, or how much time you, you know, didn't spend, or whatever it is. Um, so I hated that. Um, we all have job descriptions, but sometimes uh, we, we, we fear it. We, we don't want to do it. Uh, we are unable to do it. Well, Jonah, he's got a, he has a job too. So have a look at verse 1. Uh, you might have it up, up screen. Uh, but I don't know what I just followed them. The word of the Lord, um, literally Yahweh, uh, came to Jonah, son of Amittai. See, Jonah, he's a, he's a, he's a prophet. Uh, we can get that from 2 Kings 14, verse 25. That references, uh, refer, references Jonah as the son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath Hepa. Um, the word of the Lord has come to this prophet um, and, uh, uh, from, from Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name of God. And it's uh, commonly just translated Lord uh, because um, it sort of follows Jewish tradition of not pronouncing God's name. Um, so the, kind of this capitalized Lord there. Uh, and this is the word that came to Jonah, verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. Um, go to Nineveh. Uh, preach against it um, because it is wicked. Now, you might have heard about Nineveh lately in the news. In, a, uh, in the last year or so, the, uh, there's been some fighting going on there. The present-day city of Mo- Mosul, um, uh, there's, a, there's a fight between uh, the Iraqis and uh, ISIS there. Uh, so much so that what they say is the tomb of Jonah in, 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 um, in Nineveh has been, uh, has been destroyed. Uh, but Nineveh back in the, in the day... Was a, was a wicked city. Um, it was a, in, a, in what was a cruel world already. The Assyrians who were in charge of Nineveh, that was their capital city, were even more cruel and a more barbaric people. So for example, one of the methods of execution that they had was to uh, dismember a victim, cut off their hands and feet, and then impale them on a pole so that everyone could see that. Uh, another time, they would uh, behead their victims and pile up the skulls of the enemies so that they could make a pillar right in front of the gates of Nineveh. Uh, or if you were one of the opposing generals, uh, they wouldn't get worse treatment. Um, for example, one of them, the Elamite general, uh, the Nanu, uh, was flayed alive. That is, uh, his skin was taken, you know, when you do that to a chicken, you know, take the skin off. Well, he, he's kind of done, did that with this man. Uh, bled like a lamb, and his brothers had, they had, uh, had his throat cut and his body was divided into pieces, which was distributed throughout the country as souvenirs. Uh, indeed, the Assyrians treated torture as a battle strategy. This was the way to win a war. Uh, by, by killing 25 to 100 victims at a time, they seek to uh, demoralize the enemies. It was so disgusting, so scary, that uh, people just don't fight at all. Uh, and so the entire history of Nineveh, 
has been filled with uh, violence and terror and torture and killing of people. Uh, in Nahum chapter 3, verse 1, it's described as a city of bloodshed. So I guess it's, you know, to, to, to follow a modern analogy, it's, it's ISIS, but, but even worse, right? Uh, where there's lots of beheading and scare tactics and terrorism, that's all that. So what would you do if, you are, if God sends you to this city, sends you to ISIS, right? Um, here's Jonah's reaction. Jonah does something a bit unusual in verse 3, uh, or maybe not so unusual. He, he runs away from the Lord and heads to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and found a ship bound for that port, and paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to, uh, to flee from the Lord. Runs away, he flees. Uh, something he ran, some, things, some people think he ran uh, in the opposite, uh, opposite direction to Spain. Uh, there's a city that sounds a bit like Tarshish. Um, and others think he probably went to Tarsus, like uh, the Saul of Tarsus idea, an island off uh, Sicilia, uh, a boat's ride from Israel. Either way, he's escaping from God. Um, um, you know, I, 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 um, when, uh, when, I, when, I, when I went into ministry, I, I, was, um, I was so glad to leave my accounting firm. I was sick of the billing cycle. I was sick of the job. I was sick of um, uh, just, just trying to produce the timesheets every, every day and the pressure. And I was glad to leave. I, was, I ran away from it, okay? Friends, as Christians... Uh, we've been given a similar task like Jonah. Uh, Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command, commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. We are to speak about the goodness of God, the mercy brought by His Son, and the assurance that His Spirit brings. But it scares us. Uh, it's not just Mosul that scares us, but but even little things that, uh, that scares us. We're scared that we might lose our popularity, that we'll be associated with maybe the, the more weirdo elements of Christianity, uh, of the Christian world, Christian people. Uh, it might cost us some time and money. You know, I want to spend my lunchtime resting alone. I don't want to talk to my work colleagues. Uh, or maybe it's inconvenient to tell the gospel. I, you know, I have to go and visit your, your neighbors. Uh, I would rather just mow my lawn. Um, and, it, and to balance all the other things that I have to do uh, in my life. Uh, or perhaps we're just, it's a lack of results. We might do all those things, um, but it seems like it's always a waste of time. And so we're tempted to run away from this job that God has given us. Um, perhaps this fear can be dissuaded by understanding who is our God. Um, and so we're going to learn about... Uh, uh, Yahweh, and we're going to learn about the other gods as well, okay? So that's my second point. Um, so Jonah rebels, and he runs away, but it does not take long before Yahweh catches up with him. Verse 4. Then the Lord sends uh, a great wind on the, sea, on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened uh, to break up. Uh, the Lord literally uh, throws a great wind at this ship. So Jonah runs away, and so he, he, he takes a storm, and he chucks it at them. And so there's this great violent storm, uh, and, uh, and there's a bit of a, a pause in this story to sort of figure out what's happening. Okay? So verse 5, all the sailors, they were afraid. And each cried out to his own God. Uh, they were afraid. Uh, they, they panicked. Uh, this is the, uh, the Mediterranean, which, you know, doesn't have 
heaves of big storms, right? Um, and in their fear, they, they turned to the only source of security that they knew. They turned to their gods. They cried out to each of their gods. Uh, the, ancient, the, ancient god, the ancient world had lots of uh, different gods for different things, right? Um, there were local gods. There were international gods. There were big gods. Gods for the wind. Gods for the water. Gods for the boat. Um, I don't know if you've been to uh, uh, Bali before, um, where um, it's, a, it's an island of the gods, basically, because there is a god in every corner of this island. Uh, there's a god in every roundabout. There's a god for every taxi. There's a god in every restaurant. Uh, there's a god here, god there, everywhere. And uh, they all have little houses for them. And you've got to be careful where you step in uh, Bali because you might end up stepping on a, on a local deity, and unbeknownst to you. Uh, and, in the, and, the, and then there's a, on, 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 there's a god of the earth in the woods, in the rice fields. And so therefore shrines can be found everywhere, uh, on the roadside, on the beach. Uh, and when you, play, and you walk along the street, you sort of got to play a bit of hopscotch just to avoid the different offerings on the pavements placed there to appease the evil spirits. And so here, here are they. they they're in this uh, ship, and they're praying to each of them to their gods. Um, sort of, I think they're having an interfaith service there, I think. Uh, calling on their gods to help. Um, so I, and I think that's, uh, and, they, and they give sacrifices to their gods while they do that. And I think that's what the, the last bit of verse 5 is trying to say. Uh, they, it says here, they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But in the uh, original Hebrew language, there is actually no, no ship uh, word at the end of that sentence. Um, and instead, what you have a phrase, um, it's sort of like uh, they threw cargo into the sea um, to lighten from, from, a, from upon them. Lighten something from upon them. What is it, you know? Um, and so that's why the NIV tries to make sense of it. So they put, oh, maybe it's a, it's a ship, okay? Um, we find a similar phrase for it in verse 11. Uh, which refers to the sea, uh, so that the sea might be lightened upon us. Um, so I think what's happening here, maybe it's actually, they, they're worried about the sea. That's a, they, they're wanting the storm to lighten from them. So what, what they're doing is they're chucking out things to appease the ocean so that the sea might, might, they might be free. And, and, and the word for cargo is the same thing as, doesn't have to be mean, doesn't mean big things. It could mean also little things as well, just vessels. Um, so what they're chucking, perhaps what they're doing is they're throwing things into the sea uh, to lighten the sea from them. They're, they're offering. They're, they're checking out maybe, I don't know, uh, little, little um, foods. Maybe they're checking out little, little pieces of paper. Maybe they're checking out whatever items of worship that they have to the sea so that it would be a peace uh, so that the storm would stop. Um, it's like a little bit like in Bali, giving little banana leaves or uh, maybe little bits of paper money or little bowls of rice into the sea so that you might have a bit of peace. Uh, pagans fear all sorts of gods and powers and demons around. Uh, and they think that they can control them through, sac uh, through offerings and sacrifices. Uh, so uh, in my uh, Chinese culture, you've got things like feng shui, where if you orientate your room a certain way and put mirrors here and there and put your furniture a certain way, then you'll be safe and your business will be successful. Uh, if you buy a house with a, with a number eight and avoid houses with a number four, uh, you will avoid bad luck. All right? 
if you uh, you know just kind of like in an apartment, don't don't buy the level number le- the level eight thirteen or something like that. Okay, um, don't walk under ladders. Avoid black cats, uh, and and things will be okay for you. Um, but they don't work, right? These these are pure superstitions. In fact, some of the uh, superstitions are are evil. Uh, so, for example, in Africa, you might uh, some people in their superstition grab organs from a from a uh, kill an orphan child and grab the organs from them so that they might be uh, appease the, the gods. Uh, the ancient Aztecs sacrifice uh, a child, or in India, they might burn the widow in the past, right? Uh, so that the gods would be happy. Uh, but they don't work uh, because they're superstitious. The, the gods are not uh, real. Uh, it's as useful as leaving out cookies for Santa, right? Now, I'm not saying that these are necessarily. Uh, you know, a lot of these people are necessarily bad people. You know, they, they're very sincere in what they're doing. But being sincerely wrong doesn't help. And deep down, I wonder if they know it too. The taxi driver in Bali, when he puts the offering out for his gods in, the, in his car, he puts the expired chocolate bars, doesn't he, in the hot sun for their gods. The Buddhists, they, they offer all oranges at the temple. Uh, if they really believe that these things work, if, if these gods are real, they would burn real money instead of offering fake paper money. However, there is a real God uh, that we, we believe in. as a God that will take uh, much more than trinkets to appease Him. No, God is not appeased by little trinkets uh, because a few thousand years ago, uh, because a few thousand years later from, uh, from Jonah's time, one man appeases God, uh, the perfect man. Uh, the Lord Jesus himself appeases God's justice by offering himself as a sacrifice. Uh, this is a sign that God isn't easily appeased by token things. No, it takes real sacrifice to please him. Jesus did that. Uh, but back to the story, when the storm hits, uh, what Jonah does is, uh, he, uh, the last bit of uh, verse 5, he goes down below deck, where he lays down and f- falls into a deep sleep. And that's really strange compared to the action of the, uh, of the sailors. Everyone's panicking, everyone's afraid. But why is Jonah not afraid? Um, uh, last, that's my uh, third point. Um, this, the, verse 6, the captain goes to him and says in a sort of panic way, uh, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Uh, verse 7, the sailors say to each other, come on, uh, come, let us fi- cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Um, the, uh, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, casting, uh, trying to f- figure out the future by casting lots is actually a, a bad thing because, it's an, again, it's sort of superstitious. You're trying to figure out uh, in advance. Um, and the only time when casting lots is sort of okay is when, when the... Uh, Decision really doesn't matter when it's between two equal choices. For example, determining which goat to sacrifice. You've got two perfectly good goats. Who should we sacrifice? Well, chuck a lot, okay? Or later on in Acts, when they were chosen to uh, pick the apostle to replace Judas, uh, would it be Matthias or would it be Barsabbas? Uh, well, they both fit the qualification. They were there with Jesus the whole time. Well, it doesn't really matter which one it is, then they cast a lot. So that's, that's kind of like minimizing mode. It's okay to do that. Uh, but it is not so good in trying to figure out what the, what, 
what you should do in terms of the future or to try to figure out God's will uh, seem, doesn't seem that good. So I'm not sure what to do with, uh, with it here in this, in this section, but they use it to find, uh, uh, to find out who's guilty, right? Uh, and, and, it, and it points to Jonah. So verse 8, they, they, they interrogate him. Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Uh, where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Uh, you know, sort of questions that maybe you would have with your friends, you know, after work uh, or lunchtime. But altogether, it's basically interrogation. They're going to say, who are you? Um, well, he proceeds to answer those the questions. Verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Uh, I am a Hebrew. Uh, explains where he comes from, his country, what sort of people he is. I worship the Lord. Uh, and, and worship is an English word to translate many different words like uh, bowing down or uh, serving. But here, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the word fear, okay? Same as all the other words of fear in chapter 1. Uh, I liter uh, liter literally says, I fear Yahweh. Perhaps this is the reason why Jonah is so calm. His fear of Yahweh means that he is fearful of nothing else. Uh, after all, uh, this Yahweh, he is the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. And here's sort of a, a merism, a device, you know, a God of heaven and of the sea and of dry land. That is everything, uh, everything, those, those extremes and everything in between, right? Um, he's in charge of the dry land that uh, Jonah thinks he can run away from. Um, God is in charge of the heavens, uh, he, the source of wind, stars, moon, and sun. Um, he's in charge of the sea. Uh, he throws the wind into the sea. Right? Um, it's amazing that even after uh, all these years, um, that that plane that, that kind of um, got lost in the ocean, in the Indian, Indian Ocean, the MH17, they still can't find it. Right? I think a part fell and landed in Western Australia last week or something. But we still can't find it. The sea is so big. So in answer to the sailor's question, who is responsible? Well, it is Yahweh, the sovereign God, who is responsible. He is God over all the elements. Uh, well, if that's the case, uh, what are we afraid of? Um, in our current political climate, it's a bit scary. You say the wrong word, you know, you say the wrong, use the wrong analogy. And suddenly you label a bigot and you're a hater. Uh, you try and speak the truth and they say you are discriminating. Um, you can lose friends. You can lose your job. But our God is bigger than those things. Our God is bigger than our persecutions. Our God is bigger than our embarrassments. So let us not fear what people will say or what people will do to us uh, because, when, uh, because of us proclaiming the gospel because of us proclaiming the truth. Our words, words just like sticks and stones, uh, can't hurt us where it counts. Uh, the, pagan, uh, the pagans are like those ignorant uh, sailors, chucking things into the sea, thinking that, uh, thinking that it, would, it would make a difference. But what they have is nothing but wishful thinking, isn't it? Uh, people in the world think that if we undefine marriage, that society would somehow be a better place. That's wishful thinking. The experiment that we did with the first time we redefined the laws, with the divorce laws, is empirical proof 
that it will make the world a worse place, a terrible place, especially for the poor. It's wishful thinking. Let's be sensible in how we do things, uh, but uh, let's be sensible in how we speak, and, and by, all we, you know, by all means do that with wisdom. But if we're stopping, we're self-censoring ourselves because of fear, well, we don't need to do that because of fear. Uh, there is no f- need to fear for God is with us. Instead, uh, we should respond the way the sailors responded to the news that uh, Yahweh is Lord. Look at verse 10. Uh, this terrified them. They, they feared, they suddenly realized that this God, and they feared him. If the sea is so great and they were terrified, what do they think of the one who is greater than the sea? The one who is God of heaven and earth and sea. And the actions of the sailors from here on end indicate that they realize this. Verse 10, uh, they ask, what have you done? Uh, they they knew, th- knew that he was running from the Lord because he had already told them. So, you know, he's, they're sort of rebuking, jo- Jonah, why are you running away from Yahweh, the king of heaven, sea, and land? I thought you said you feared him. Um, uh, Jonah here uh, now suggests that uh, uh, it's a funny character, and I think it takes the whole book to figure out what his motivations are. But, but here in verse 11, uh, the sea was getting uh, rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do? Uh, to you to make the sea calm down for us. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, that, uh, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this storm has come upon, upon you. Now, uh, Jonah here sounds a bit kind of noble, sounds like a nice guy, sounds like he's repenting, um, that he's claiming fault, um, but I, I don't think that's happening yet, okay? Um, he, uh, the, 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 the term there, it is, he says, uh, it is my fault. The term for I there. Um, it's actually, the, it's not, uh, the, the Hebrew word for that can be also the, the word for ship. That is, the ship knows that it is my fault. Um, the ship knows that he is guilty. So the personification here is that uh, the ship is, um, somehow knows that he's, he's the one who is guilty. Uh, the lot has fallen on him. And so, therefore, it is his fault. Um, the sailors can't comprehend the solution of throwing him aboard. And so what they want to do is they want to try and row uh, uh, all the more harder, but the sea just, just grows even more wilder. Only when they were forced to, and, um, and I'm not sure about the ethical nature of this, uh, and they, but they do beg for forgiveness. But verse 14, they cried out to the Lord, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, our Lord, have done as you pleased. Uh, and so they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. See, the sailors here, they, uh, I guess they're forced to perhaps. But just as God uh, threw the storm into the, the sea, so this man now throws um, uh, Jonah overboard. And the sea grows calm. Um, the sailors, they realize uh, who's really God. It is Yahweh. And so they offer now sacrifices to him. Uh, note that the sacrifices are after God shows mercy. It's not a way to earn God's favor. It is a way to thank God's favor. Okay? It's about prayer. Um, these pagan sailors who initially feared their little gods, uh, they now come to a proper fear of God. And this is a very big contrast to Jonah. Uh, Jonah, who is not afraid of the storm and seemingly not even scared of death, uh, not scared of Yahweh, um, even though he says he is, um, does Jonah really fear 
God, or perhaps he's just reciting it. It's his upbringing. He, he, he's, he's a Hebrew, right? And so he takes it for granted. Um, he fears Yahweh, perhaps for his safety, but it doesn't mean that he's going to obey God. He does not pray for the sailors, he doesn't care about them. He goes to sleep. But in contrast, the sailors, they realize who is really God, and they follow him. Now, there's one thing, perhaps there's one thing that um, in those questions in verse 8, uh, there's one question that Jonah doesn't answer. And so this is where I think there's, there's some problem with him, okay? Um, he doesn't answer, he, he's answered the question about his origin, he's answered the question about where his country he's come from, he answered uh, which God he, he follows. But there's one question that he doesn't answer in verse 8, and that is this. He says, uh, they ask him, what work do you do? What work do you do? And he never gives an answer to that. He doesn't want to give his job description lest they, they work out that he isn't doing it, isn't it? See, who, who, what does, uh, he, he doesn't want to do God's work. And so, in the end of the day, we, at the end of this passage, we sort of go, who, who fears Yahweh? Who fears him? What is wrong with Jonah that he doesn't want to fulfill his job description? And perhaps it also leaves us a question. Do we fear our God? Why don't we want to fulfill our commission? Some job descriptions are it's an essential part of the job. Uh, you can't be a dentist and, uh, and hate bad breath. Uh, you can't be a doctor who faints at the sight of blood. Uh, you can't be an accountant and hate numbers. Uh, and perhaps you can't be a really Christian and not follow the Great Commission. That's all, that's our task, whether we do it in a quiet way or into our actions or do it through more obvious ways. That's what we're all called to do. So let's, uh, let's be encouraged by this passage to go fear the God. There's nothing that can stop Him. Uh, there's nothing that can attack us. Nothing can affect us. And so to follow His commands. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are, uh, we are fearful beings. We are mortal beings. And so we are scared of what others might do to us, what others might think of us. But instead, Lord, help us to have a greater fear of You. Uh, to know the one who gives us life and the ones who gives us who can who can take it away and so uh, the one uh, so help us to put our confidence in you and not in the world help us to speak of your word and of the truth uh, to our friends to our families to our workmates uh, to the world uh, help us do that with confidence all this we pray in Jesus name amen <laughs>